Hi, this is Yvonne Brown, and this is a JADcast, produced by JAD Communications International, the organization that helps women to overcome limiting beliefs and achieve their highest potential at www.jadcommunications.com. Welcome. Hello and welcome back. Our guest today is Zoe Norman, an Executive Vice President for BPO Management Services. Zoa will speak to us about what it's like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry. She has been a featured speaker on topics such as business process outsourcing, building high-performance sales teams, and how to turn around an underperforming business. Zoa enjoys skydiving. And her latest passion is the Chicago Dramatists Organization. She is currently involved in Boardroom Bound, volunteers as a career coach at the Career Transition Center in Chicago, and serves as the Executive Women's Club President. Zoa, so, uh, how did you become a woman in a male-dominated industry, and what is your industry? Yvonne, my industry is outsourcing, and I should clarify that most people don't think of outsourcing any longer as being male-dominated. But as you rise into management and executive levels, there are fewer and fewer women in those roles. And the good news is that when I'm at executive and management meetings, there's no wait for the ladies' room. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. But it also makes a real point when you look over and there's a long line in the men's room. There are just not a lot of women in those roles. However, I never set out to be an executive or even participating in a male-dominated industry. I didn't even consider that. Several years ago, when I was getting a divorce and my daughter was very young, I had no money. And I had to figure out a way to support her. And I made the decision that no matter what, she was going to have all of the opportunities that her father and I had decided when we talked about her future before she was born, she would have those same opportunities that we decided before she was even born. So I, so I thought the best thing I could do was get a job in sales and work for a large corporation where I would have a base salary so my minimal expenses would be covered and I'd have health insurance. And that's really what started my career and my aspiration to be a leader in the outsourcing industry. And actually, you're, you're one of the best salespeople I've ever met. So I, that was a good, it was good that you got into sales. Did you find that that was a natural talent for you? No, it wasn't, Yvonne. In fact, after four or five months, I wasn't really sure why I was staying with the company that hired me, and I think they were probably asking themselves the question, why did we hire her? I was at 17% of quota at the end of my fourth month there, and my manager was really considering either terminating me or moving me into a non-sales role, which would have considerably limited my income. And I started listening to tapes, I started reading books, I went to seminars, I sought out mentors who I thought were exceptional salespeople, and at the end of my second year, I was ranked number 11 out of 360 salespeople. The next year, I was ranked number one in the country out of that same number of salespeople. Wow, that's amazing! 
I love that first answer. That was really fantastic. You know what? I know that even accomplished women like you have had self-doubt at one time or another. Have you ever experienced self-doubt and how did you overcome it? Yes, I have, Yvonne. <laughs> Numerous times, but only for a fleeting moment. I have had several positions as I have progressed through my career. Each time I accepted a new assignment, I had self-doubt. I was concerned if I could handle the position, if I was qualified for it, if I could exceed and overachieve in my new role. But it was only for a fleeting moment because what happened when I would have those thoughts is that I would suddenly remember the excitement that I felt when I accepted the position and also what I felt like I could bring to the role. And then I would quickly put together a plan of how I was going to achieve my objectives and how I was going to exceed the expectations that the folks that put me in that role had placed. Once the plan's completed, then I just immediately start to work and not look back and focus continually on what's my goal, what's my objective, and never think about those doubts anymore. So you just put together your plan and you just work that plan. And, and typically, you know, self-doubt has a habit of creeping back. You know, it's like a little ghost in your brain that keeps coming back. So what do you do? You just push it away, box it out, write it on a piece of paper and throw it in the garbage? Or what's your strategy? How do you just totally focus on that plan? Instead of focusing on the self-doubt, I usually focus on whatever the challenge or problem is that's prompted that self-doubt. And once I've isolated the problem, then I, I talk to other people about what can we do about this issue and work with them to put a plan together to overcome whatever that is. So do you, have you ever like, gone to a mentor and said, I'm having a little doubt about this part. You've done this before. Can you give me some help? Have you ever done that? Oh, sure. And I have found and probably I've been very fortunate in this, that the mentors I've gone to, whenever I said I had self-doubt, never dismissed my self-doubt, but they also never gave me advice about how to overcome it. Instead, they listened to it, and then they usually told me some story in parable form. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that really made me realize my self-doubt was completely unwarranted. And probably the best conversation I can remember that I had was with my favorite manager to this day. He was absolutely an extraordinary leader. And I went to him once when he had just promoted me again. And I said, are you sure I can do this job? Because the other people in this role, there were many people in that role across the country, have this experience and this achievement. And I went through all these things that I felt other people had that I did not have. And he paused and looked at me for a long time. And then he said, Zoa, don't you realize that your performance is a direct, is, has a direct impact on my overall performance? And the money that you make for the company has a direct impact on my income? So why would I put you in that role if I did not have every belief that you would be extraordinarily successful? Very, that was very lucky for you because that is an extraordinary leader that you were working with.
As more and more women race through the ranks in corporate America, I've heard that, that they find that they're more and more surrounded by men because there are so few women at the top. In your case, as an executive vice president of a large corporation, I'm just curious, do you have those kinds of scenarios happening? And as a woman, what kind of leadership expectations do you think the other women in the organization have from you for them? Yvonne, I'm not altogether sure what women think or what they feel when they see a woman in a leadership role. My hope, however, would be that they would feel encouraged and inspired to take on a leadership role if that's the career path that they want to take. The other thing that I would hope is that when women see me in a leadership role with whatever organization I'm working with, that they would know that we're an organization that embraces diversity. Tune in next week for part two. You've been listening to a Jadcast. We hope this podcast helps you on your journey to achievement of your destiny. Remember to visit us at www.jadcommunications.com.